Welcome to the Football Pink podcast, hosted by Roddy Cairns. The Football Pink is a website, magazine and documentary podcast series bringing you long-form stories and nostalgia from across the world of football. In the 1960s, Prime Minister Harold Wilson once famously stated that a week is a long time in politics. That may be so, but in early 2006, Middlesbrough Football Club set about proving that five months is an eternity in the ever-changing world of football. From a season that looked like it was crashing towards disaster, to one that will live forever in the history of the club, Steve McLaren's cosmopolitan squad performed the kind of U-turn that Wilson's flip-flopping political peers would be proud of. This is the story of five months that changed Borough forever. There's a cacophony of rules ringing around the stadium, or at least from those who hadn't already gone long before the final whistle. At the end of the game, it didn't really matter. Whenever the final whistle was blown, Borough had made it through into the next round of the UEFA Cup. The winter of the 2005-2006 season was very much one of discontent on Teesside, with Borough having gone two months and nine matches without a Premier League win either side of New Year's Day. That slump included a 7-0 shellicking by Arsenal, which came a week after Steve McLaren's men had been held to a draw by non-league Nuneaton Borough in the FA Cup, thus necessitating a replay. One rare bright spot in the first half of the season had been Borough's UEFA Cup campaign, which had seen them emerge from the group stages without conceding a goal. Football Pink contributor Rodney McCain recalls those rare, bright European nights. Middlesbrough were placed in Group D in the group phase, and that was a tricky group indeed. Also in the group were AZ Alkmaar of Holland, Litex Lovec of Bulgaria, Dnipro of Ukraine and Grasshopper Zurich. The second match day saw Middlesbrough host Ukrainians Dnipro at the Riverside Stadium. The game was played out in front of a very disappointing crowd indeed, only 13,000 turning up to cheer on the borough. Yukubu gave Borough a first half lead after exchanging passes with Gezka Mendieta and then Australian striker Mark Viduka scored twice to give the scoreline a well-deserved slant in favour of the home side. Borough's third match in the group saw them have to travel to AZ Alkmaar in Holland and this was probably the toughest match that they would face in this group stage. They managed to come home with a very, very creditable nil-nil draw and basically they had goalkeeper Brad Jones to thank for that because it was pretty much a rearguard action from the Borough for a lot of the game. But AZ Alkmaar were top scorers in the Dutch league at that time and it was certainly a very creditable result. And not only was it a credible result in terms of on the night, but it was enough to actually give Borough the knockout stage that they needed to get to progress to. Back to domestic matters, and things looked bleak for McLaren and Borough. A comfortable win over northeast rival Sunderland, rock bottom of the league and statistically one of the worst teams in Premier League history, brought only temporary solace, before a game against Aston Villa brought the Teesiders crashing back down to earth. Football Pink contributor Liam Toher recalls the afternoon of 4th February 2006, a dark date for Middlesbrough fans. Middlesbrough and Aston Villa at Riverside Stadium was one of those afternoons where everything just went wrong for Borough. Luke Moore helped himself to a hat-trick, got the first goal, the third and the fourth. Borough's defending was just 
absolutely awful that afternoon. I mean, his two second half goals, Burrow just left him wide open and Luke Moore took full advantage. Steve McLaren, after the game, he really didn't spare his team, absolutely ripped apart their defending in the post-match interview. And really, two moments from that gloomy Saturday summed up the severity of Middlesbrough's plight. There was a cacophony of bruise ringing around the stadium, or at least from those who hadn't already gone long before the final whistle. And for one fan, it was all too much, as he just jumped a barrier and threw his season ticket at Steve McLaren. And then on the pitch, he had Lee Cattermole, a 17-year-old at, at the time, broke down in tears by the level of toxicity around him and had to be consoled by more experienced teammates. Those two moments really just summed up Minister's plight that afternoon. With the Villa result having left spirits at an all-time low around the riverside, one had to wonder how the fans were feeling about their next fixture, a home clash against a Chelsea team who were both reigning champions and runaway league leaders, led by the hottest managerial prospect in Europe in the shape of Jose Mourinho. But that Saturday turned out to be a pivotal day in the Teesiders season. There were only 78 seconds on the clock when the first goal went in at the riverside, and it was the home fans who were cheering as Brazilian Fabio Rockenbach found a way past the Blues' defence with a low shot from 15 yards out. The crowd, so used to a steady diet of disappointment, could have been forgiven for fearing the opener would merely spark Chelsea into life, but instead McLaren's men went on to produce one of the shock results of the season in romping to a 3-0 win with further goals from Stuart Downing and Yakubu. They became the first English side to score three past Mourinho's Chelsea, in a result that had a similar shock value to Watford's stunning result against an otherwise dominant Liverpool in season 2019-20. That Chelsea result started a run of five wins in seven league games, which would ultimately divert Borough away from the drop zone in the Premier League with something to spare. The home win against Chelsea on the 11th of February was followed up by a very, very good 2-0 away win at West Bromwich Albion. And that game was actually pretty critical because both clubs were struggling at the wrong end of the table and it was ultimately decided by two goals from Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in the first half at the Hawthorns. Hasselbank scored twice, as I say, the second one vitally coming just before the half, half-time break. Middlesbrough's position in that game was strengthened even further whenever West Brom were reduced to 10 men early in the second half and after that sending off they were pretty comfortable and seeing out a vital win. They followed up that win by then having another victory at home to Birmingham City on the 4th of March. Mark Viduka scoring the only goal of the game just on half-time. And again, that vital three points helped lift Borough up the table. They followed up those two wins, admittedly, with two very poor away defeats. One at struggling Charlton Athletic and the other at Blackburn Rovers. But then 26th of March saw a vital 4-3 home win over Bolton Wanderers. Again, Borough strikers saving them. Hasselbank scored two goals, one from the penalty spot. Mark Viduka scored a goal on the half-hour mark. And Stuart Parnaby scored a last gasp winner for the Borough in that 4-3 win. It followed that up again with a superb 1-0 win at Manchester City on the 2nd of April with Lee Cattermole scoring the only goal just before the half-time break as well. That run of form actually saved Borough's league season and ensured that they remained a Premier League club for the following season. The fan who had thrown his season ticket at McLaren probably lived to regret it, as he missed out on four home wins. 
Despite taking only two points from their last four games, Borough's fine spring form meant they finished the season in a comfortable 14th position, 11 points clear of relegation and with their New Year's struggles long forgotten. In the FA Cup, too, Middlesbrough enjoyed something of a resurgence, aided by a fairly kind draw. After scraping past Nuneaton Borough and Coventry after replays, Borough made relatively light work of Preston North End in the fifth round with two goals from Yakubu. Middlesbrough found themselves into the quarter-finals, despite not yet having faced a single top-flight side. That was to be rectified when they came out of the hat against Charlton Athletic. The first game was a tedious nil-nil at the Valley, Ugo Ekiog receiving the Man of the Match award as Borough earned themselves a third replay in four FA Cup rounds. Not great for fixture congestion in a season where European football would feature prominently. The replay at the Riverside was an entirely different affair, however, as a Viduka-inspired home side triumphed 4-2 after an enterprising attacking display. Borough had made it to the semi-finals, where they would face West Ham United. Unfortunately, at this point they ran out of steam, succumbing 1-0 to a Marlon Harewood goal. It was a disappointing end to an unlikely cup run, but no matter. Middlesbrough had bigger fish to fry. If the upturn in Middlesbrough's domestic forum would bring their fans the comfort of retaining their top flight place, it was what happened in European competition that would come to define their season. Having emerged at the top of their UEFA Cup group, the round of 32 pitted Borough against a Stuttgart side who had made the knockout stages of the Champions League just two years previously, and who would go on to win the following season's Bundesliga. No easy meet then. So just after Middlesbrough had beaten Chelsea 3-0, they went to Germany to face Stuttgart in the round of 32 in the UEFA Cup and produced an excellent 2-1 win with goals from Jimmy Veit Hasselbank and Stuart Parnaby either side of half-time putting them in a very good position. They then had to survive a late scare after Daniel Luboja curled in a free kick for the home side. But Middlesbrough got the 2-1 victory. The return leg at Riverside, well, it was a hard watch for the home fans. Steve McLaren set up his team cautiously and it took just 13 minutes for Christian Tiffert to level the tie for Stuttgart. And ultimately, Middlesbrough were indebted to Mark Schwarzer to see them through on away goals. The Australian made a litany of saves that night as Borough scraped through and afterwards when McLaren was asked for his post-match verdict, he simply said, job done, in rather deadpan fashion. But it was job done for Middlesbrough. They got through and on to the round of 16. Italian giants Roma were next up in the round of 16. The kind of glamour draw which sends goosebumps up the arms of fans and shivers down the spines of managers. Steve McLaren would have had a few sleepless nights over how best to set up against a team that contained the likes of Mexes, Perotta and De Rossi. But Borough had a few stars of their own. The Middlesbrough side that lined up to face Italian giants Roma at the Riverside Stadium included Garth Southgate, Gasca Mendieta, George Boateng, Lee Cattermole, Stuart Downing, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Yukubu up front as the attacking striker. In fact, Mark Viduga, who would normally have been regarded as a regular first-teamer, was on the bench for the game. He couldn't even get a start. 
The Italians almost opened the scoring after only six minutes whenever Maxes played a delightful ball to Parada, who controlled beautifully inside the area and his low shot actually beat Mark Schwarzer, but thankfully Garth Southgate was there to clear off the line. Barra's opening goal and indeed the only goal of the game came shortly afterwards. Mendieta burst forward into the Roman area and played a low ball out behind the visitors' defence. Hasselbank took control of the ball but was brought down by visiting goalkeeper Gianluca Kersi. The resultant penalty was put home by Yukubu and that proved to be the only goal of the game. But again, Barra had Mark Schwarzer to thank for a couple of very, very good saves, though by the same token, Barra had a few chances of their own and could have increased their lead. But certainly to go back to Rome with a 1-0 win must have pleased Steve McLaren greatly. Steve McLaren named an unchanged side six days later in Rome as Borough battled to make their way through to the next round. That was indeed what would happen because despite bookings for Lee Catamull and George Botang, which ruled them both out of the following round, Borough actually against all odds took the lead. Whenever Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank stole in front of Philip Maxes and glanced a sublime header across Kirchie from eight yards. That gave Borough a precious away goal and despite the Romans putting their goal under siege for virtually the entire game after that, they only conceded two goals and made it through on the away goals rule. The second Roma goal was a hotly disputed penalty, but at the end of the game it didn't really matter. Whenever the final whistle was blown, Borough had made it through into the next round of the UEFA Cup and the 3,500 travellers from Teesside were absolutely delirious with the result. Borough were through to the quarter-finals, their stuttering progress taking them into a match-up against Swiss champions FC Basel. If their previous two notable successes had been built on strong showings in the first leg, the same could not be said of this tie as they succumbed to a 2-0 loss in Switzerland. The Teesiders had it all to do when Basel visited the Riverside. Middlesbrough had it all to do in the second leg at the Riverside and they didn't get off to a very auspicious start. Eduardo put the visitors ahead midway through the first half, which left Borough needing four goals in little more than an hour to advance. They managed to get two back relatively quickly, with Mark Viduca either side of half-time. During the interval, McLaren brought on Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank to go three up top, with the Dutch van playing alongside Ikubu and Viduca as the manager deserted his customary caution. The dismissal of Daniel Meisterovic helped Borough's cause as Basel were reduced to 10 men. And then with 10 minutes to go, Hasselbank scored to level the tie in aggregate. But Middlesbrough still needed one more goal going into stoppage time. Then in that period of added time, Fabio Rockenbach's shot was blocked by Basel goalkeeper Pascal Zuberbuller. But he could only parry it straight to the long-serving Massimo Macaroni who had also been introduced as a substitute that night, and the Italian dispatched a rebound to spark scenes of bedlam around Riverside, as Middlesbrough completed the comeback, got the 4-1 victory that took them into the semi-finals. It seemed almost ridiculous, but Middlesbrough had made it into the last four of the UEFA Cup, matching the feat of their local rivals Newcastle United two years previously. With the people of Middlesbrough starting to get a nosebleed from their side's lofty achievement, they found themselves pitted against Stoya Bucharest in the semi-finals. Stoya may have lacked the resources of their moneyed English rival, but the former European Cup winners had pedigree in spades and a bare pit home stadium to boot. This would not be an easy tie, and it proved to be just as exciting as the quarter-final. The first leg of the semi-final saw Borra travel to Stoya Bucharest. 
to an absolute bear pit of an atmosphere in a, a very, very intimidating stadium indeed. The opening goal and indeed the only goal of the game came on the half hour mark. A hopeful ball played into the borough area was fl- flicked on. George Boateng failed to close down Nikolai Dika, who turned sharply and scored with a right-footed shot, which beat Mark Schwarzer all ends up. The second half saw Schwarzer pull off save after save to keep Borough in the game. It was a fabulous display from the big keeper, and it was only his heroics that actually saved Borough from losing by two or three goals on a very difficult surface indeed. Steuerberg arrest proved that they were quality side. Marin in particular in their midfield had a couple of very good chances and would have been very, very upset at the final whistle not to have got a goal. Having come back to the Riverside, only one goal in deficit after their trip to Romania, Middlesbrough looked like they had shot themselves in the foot and given themselves much too much to do whenever they conceded two goals within the first 25 minutes of the return leg. They conceded their first goal in 16 minutes whenever Dika again steadied himself and fired in from 10 yards to claim his second goal of the tie. And matters went from bad to worse whenever Borough conceded a second after 23 minutes. A second corner in quick succession fell to Goran and his initial header was only parried by Jones and the giant defender then smashed home the loose ball from 7 yards. So things looked pretty grim for Garth Southgate's men at this stage. Borough needed to find the next goal and they did so 10 minutes later. And that goal came through Massimo Macaroni. Downing was midway inside the Bucharest half and he played a low pass to Macaroni whose low cross shot from 10 yards beat the goalkeeper and gave much renewed hope to the Borough faithful who roared the guys on. Borough drew level in 64 minutes and that came from a superb left wing cross from Downing which Mark Viduka headed in from the edge of the six yard box. A few minutes later and it was... Borough, who then took the lead, and that goal came from Chris Riggett, and he scored from seven yards out, and it was then game on. Borough were desperate for the, another goal to win the game. The Riverside was bouncing, the stand shaking, the fans' nerves frayed. Viduka had a shot from the edge area charged down. A right, right-wing cross from Macaroni was just too high for the Australian. All the time, there was always the threat of a breakaway f- from the Romanians. Then, less than a minute of normal time remained. Downing steadied himself, cut past a defender, swung over yet another superb left wing cross and there was Massimo Macaroni to rise high and head home at the back post and it was absolutely delirium within the stadium and around the town of Middlesbrough. They held on for the last few seconds and they had won the tie. Middlesbrough were in the UEFA Cup final against all the odds. In a rare moment of footballing karma, The scenes of celebration at the Riverside were a perfect counterweight to the scenes of dismay at the Aston Villa game just a few months before. ITV commentator John Champion summed up the moment as brilliant, unbelievable, historic, hysterical, magnificent. He wasn't exaggerating. Middlesbrough FC, a team who not so long ago had struggled to get past non-league Nuneaton Borough, were in the final of the UEFA Cup. The club's second ever season in European competition had been a roller coaster ride for the Borough fans, and the final stop on that ride was a final date against Spanish crack Sevilla in Eindhoven. While Sevilla were undoubtedly a talented side, they would not have invoked any greater fear than some of the sides Borough had already put to the sword, and the English fans travelled to the Netherlands with optimism. Middlesbrough had beaten some fairly good teams to get to the UEFA Cup final, but Sevilla proved to be a cut above any team that Borough had faced en route to Eindhoven. 
the Spaniards a good value for the lead when they took it in the 26th minute through Luis Fabiano. Later in the game, McLaren brought on two strikers in the bench, Massimo Macaroni at half-time and then Yakubu afterwards as Millsbro went in pursuit of an equaliser. The contest was still alive going into the final 15 minutes with Burrow still only one down. But then sadly, they ran out of steam and Sevilla took full advantage. Two goals from Enzo Maresca and then a late clincher from Freddy Canute, seeding a 4-0 win for the Spanish side. It proved to be an anticlimactic end to what had been a truly extraordinary European adventure for Middlesbrough. And while they may have lost 4-0, the reaction was rather unlike a previous 4-0 defeat against Aston Villa only three months previously. This time there was pride in defeat. That time there was fans throwing season tickets at Steve McLaren. There was certainly none of that in, in Eindhoven as Burroughs' European adventure came to a sombre end but it had been quite a journey. After the UEFA Cup final, there were very contrasting fortunes for its main protagonists. The final proved to be McLaren's last match as Middlesbrough manager, his achievements in the North East leading to his appointment as manager of England. It should have been a dream job for the Yorkshireman, but it didn't quite go to plan and his England career was best remembered for his ill-advised use of an umbrella on the night that defeat to Croatia at Wembley ended hopes of Euro 2008 qualification. McLaren rehabilitated himself by leading FC 20 to their first ever Eredivisie title, arguably an even bigger achievement than anything he did at Borough. However, this success was followed by forgettable spells at Wolfsburg, Forest, Derby, Newcastle and QPR. At the time of recording, McLaren is currently without a club. Sevilla, having won their first ever European trophy that fateful night in Eindhoven, never looked back. They went on to win the same trophy a total of six times in the last 15 years, including a fine victory over Inter Milan in this year's final. This stunning run of success means that they have twice as many UEFA Cups as any other side, and it's fair to say the trophy well and truly belongs to them. Chuck in a UEFA Super Cup win for good measure and you're looking at a continental heavyweight. And as for poor old Borough, well, it's fair to say that things haven't been quite so sunny for them since that glorious run to Eindhoven. The club lost its Premier League status three years later and has only spent one fairly miserable season in the top flight since. More recently, the Teesiders have found themselves battling at the wrong end of the championship as they face the prospect of relegation to the third tier. How long ago must seem those glory nights when Roma, Basel and Stoya were sent packing. But the memories of those midweek odysseys still remain, warming up the cold Tuesdays in Barnsley which are now Borough's bread and butter. The ending may have been painful, but that glorious UEFA Cup run of 2006 will live forever as one of Middlesbrough's greatest ever achievements. Late goals, great saves, the cream of Europe cut down at the riverside. Brilliant, Unbelievable, historic, hysterical, and magnificent indeed. You have been listening to the Football Pink podcast. For more stories like this one, please subscribe to the podcast and visit footballpink.net.